This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the STBT podcast. Uh, I'm Vikram Khanna, Associate Editor of The Straits Times. And I'm here with Howard Yu, who is Professor of Management and Innovation at IMD Business School in Switzerland. Welcome, Howard. Welcome to the podcast. Good to see you, Vikram. Um, Howard, you have recently been writing a lot on the impact of the U.S.-China trade war on the ground. Um, you recently did a piece on how the biggest victims of the tariffs are, in fact, American small companies. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? How, how come these are the biggest victims? Yeah, I think the biggest worry about these ongoing trade wars and tariffs is not just the tangible impact, but it's also all the uncertainties being created. If you're looking at the tariffs pronouncement, it's almost on a weekly tweet cycle. So it becomes extraordinarily hard for business executive, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or your startup or small businesses, to plan ahead. Now, Businesses only thrive when there are certainties, where you can plan ahead, you can calculate financial payback and raise funds or borrow a loan. With these ongoing tariffs, it just becomes impossible to plan. And I think disproportionately is going to punish small businesses. Why, why disproportionately small businesses? Now, big companies always have alternatives, whether it's suppliers, you have a global footprint, for your demand, for the market, versus small businesses, oftentimes they get locked in to one geographical region. They couldn't afford to explore different suppliers, and they have deep relationship with their business partner over the long run. And so it's from that regard, they are much more vulnerable towards business uncertainty. And quite frankly, a lot of small businesses, if you're looking at their gross margin, they have yet achieved as a high level as a big behemoth. And that is why I said small businesses, paradoxically, becomes much more vulnerable in this type of business environment. And is this the same story in Europe as well? Yes. Small businesses are very, very common in Europe, right? Uh, Particularly the medium-sized company, the family-owned businesses. So whenever I talk to business executives over in Europe, they do... Uh, almost exhibit this uh, extraordinary caution and worries and hold on cash at this moment just to protect themselves against any uncertain future. Now, putting that broader, that translates to a lower level of reinvestment, that transfer to a lower level of employment. So the ramification we're seeing is all across the continents. And we are, we are experiencing a slowdown in Singapore as well, and indeed a lot of lot of Asia is feeling the effects. So, do you do you from your work do you see that Asian companies, especially the small companies, are also badly affected? Uh, I think here in this part of Asia, Southeast Asia, is also we are facing an additional complication, and that's the slowing down of China, right? Um, you know, is 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 common knowledge and open secret that China's economy is slowing down. But with this ongoing tariffs and trade war, it's going to affect even further still. And so as a result, if we're talking about supplies and demands, so Southeast Asia in this particular region, we're also seeing a much more of a negative impact of this global uh, global rhetoric and argument at this moment. Right. 
another issue, since you mentioned China, Howard, is uh, Huawei, hmm. the the telecom giant, the Chinese telecom giant, which has been blacklisted in the United States uh, as well as Japan and Australia, and yet is expanding its business uh, elsewhere in the world. Now, are these companies disadvantaged? disadvantaging themselves by blacklisting Huawei in the sense that uh, the countries that are adopting Huawei technology that are adopting 5G will move ahead. Is there Would there be an early mover advantage for companies that get to 5, 5G earlier than some of these other uh, major economies? Yeah. So this is a really complex question in the sense that I fully understand where U.S. is coming from because historically they see Huawei as the copycat they stole U.S. IP, and now they're moving up the value chain and present a national threat. So I get that. But the inconvenient truth for American is that there is no complete supply chain on 5G technology housed inside the United States. Even if we're talking about their so-called Western standard, it's mostly supply and assemble and compile by Ericsson and Nokia, these are not American company. And Cisco is not a vertically integrated organization that supply the entire complete 5G solutions. So blacklisting Huawei would force the company, this Chinese giant, to become technologically independent. Huawei is not going to give up, right? They're going to try and push their own technologies to maintain survival and independent. And we know that they probably will get a lot of support from the Chinese government. The end result is the 5G network or standard was split to two parts of the world. There are countries that would mostly adopt 5G network from Huawei because it's cheaper, it's faster, it's cutting edge at the moment. And then there are Western nations who thought these particular networks supplied by Huawei is not trustable and they choose to go for the other option which inevitably may be more costly or even slower in terms of time to market. After all, it's Huawei who just launched the 5G phone a few weeks back faster than Apple. So that is the reality we are finding ourselves in. That's very interesting. Finally, just on the digital tax, I think you've written about this also, that France in July imposed a 3% digital tax on on U.S. companies uh, above a certain revenue level. Now, there seems to have been after that an agreement between the French and the, the U.S. Uh, governments uh, under which uh, the OECD will be introducing a digital tax and then France will then reimburse uh, whatever, or refund whatever taxes, excess taxes that it collected. Now, can you just explain to us two things? One is why is there a need for this tax? Um, I think it is really sort of leveling the playing field um, so that big tech company couldn't acquire and maintain all these almost unfair advantage. If you think for a moment, companies such as Amazon, right, we know that their profit is razor thin, but the cash flow is huge because every time they earn profit, they plow back to the R&D and to make the company even more formidable. And second is, 
there are so much uh, these days under the world of digital. So much value add is on software or services. It's no longer tangible goods, and so it's very easy to park your profitability onto some other country and evade local tax. What this digital tax is trying to do is not to measure profitability in tax only profit, but go through revenue where your sales is made in the local nation. So that's going to change completely the nature of the game. First, big tech company can no longer high profit and evade tax by putting them to Ireland or some obscure location. Second is they could no longer simply generate a lot of cash flow, reinvest everything into R and D to drive their profitability solo to evade tax. So the consequence in the big story is. Well, maybe the competitive advantage we've seen from Amazon, Facebook, and Google really fundamentally will get eroded over time. I think finally, Howard, you've written about the difficulties of coming up with a digital tax because you have hybrid companies, for example,、um, the companies that are not fully digital. There are companies that are digital, like Netflix, but then there are others like Apple. Which are not. So, what are the practical difficulties of coming up with a digital tax? Yeah, the practicality is the following, right? If you're thinking about Apple, they're selling hardware, which is traditional, but they all have this like service element, right? From、uh, movie streaming, movie to streaming music, those are much more like a Netflix. Model. So if we apply the、uh, digital tax, taxing on revenue of a company, it becomes very hard. In the case of Apple, do we tax them under one regime when they sell their iPhone, and then tax them in another way when they're selling services? And we certainly cannot move into the digital tax paradigm for everything. Because the world is still full of hardware manufacturer, the tax that we inherited is still functional in that regard. Now, the French may have agreed with American about to implement, but we have to keep an eye always. The、uh, devil is in the detail, so it would be interesting to see how the regulation will be played out at the granular level going forward. Well, that's、uh, that's an issue that we in Asia will also be facing soon enough, I imagine. Absolutely,、yeah. you have all these digital startup as well. Yes, true, true. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But、uh, thank you so much, Howard. It's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you again. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That was an SBH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sbh dot com dot sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes dot com. And bt.sg.